It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. He's worthy. He's worthy of worship. And on this another first Sunday, I pray that that song is a reminder of what the purpose of worship is. You know, I've said often that there is a difference between praise and worship. Praise is when you thank someone for what they've done. You praise uh, the act that they've done, the kindness that they've displayed, whatever it may be. But the uniqueness of worship, you all, and this is so important, is because worship is, is directed at who he is and not what he's done. Now, he's done so much. He's done, he's done enough for us to praise him for the rest of our lives. But here's the important thing. There are moments in your life, my brothers and sisters, where you may have a difficult time leaning into what he's done. You know what I mean? Times may be tough. It may be hard to trace his hand. But can I tell you something? No matter what he has done or not done, he's always worthy of worship. And you know why? Just because of who he is. And so I just pray wherever you are, you would just take a moment right now in your own way and just give him worship for who he is. King of kings, Lord of lords, redeemer, savior, a friend that sticks closer than a brother, mother for the motherless, father for the fatherless, our sustainer, our strength, our all in all. The old folk would say the wheel in the middle of the wheel. God, we worship you for who you are. And we pray that we would not be so busy, so busy, so consumed with stuff that we do not pause and take the time that we should to give you the worship that you so rightfully deserve. Hallelujah. So would you get the glory today from our own lips, from our own hearts. And it's in your name that we continue to worship in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. What a mighty God we serve and hallelujah. God is so good. Hallelujah. What a timely reminder and word. And let me just say to all of you that I know that there are seasons in all of our lives where trouble and difficulty and pressure and all of those things happen. And I'm so grateful for what Mike said to remind us of is that you, you know what if you don't have a relationship with God there are things that will happen in your life I'm not talking about it might happen there are things that will happen that you're not going to be strong enough to weather through without a relationship 
And so that is why so often it's such a burden for us to help you get closer to Jesus. Not, listen, not closer to the, the church and religion, but closer to Jesus. And there'll come a day, you all, if you haven't ever, if you've never been there, where he will be the only help that you know. But I thank God that he is a present help in time of need. Amen. Let's pray together as we go to the word. God, we love you. We honor and we bless you for another first Sunday and another privilege to gather around your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light on our path. We cannot be unsure about our steps when your word directs us. We pray, God, that you would open our ears that we would hear. God, open our eyes that we would see especially a book like Revelation, which seems sometimes to be so mystical and so difficult. Thank you, God, that you are able to make plain things that seem to be difficult. So we give you honor and glory for what you're doing and what you're yet to do. In the name that's above all others, in Jesus' name we pray. And all that agree with that said amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, if you'd open them with me to the book of Revelation chapter 17, Revelation chapter 17. As you know, we've been in a verse-by-verse study through the book of Revelation, and as I've said on many occasions as a pastor, I feel it my obligation to help you to be biblically literate. In other words, for you to have an understanding of, as much as possible, the full counsel of the Word of God. If it's up to us, and I don't know if you've ever done this in your personal devotion, but if it's up to us, we will cherry pick what we read in the Bible. And we will pretty much stay in the same kinds of things or the same kinds of books that often are encouraging to us, but we would not venture into other parts of the Bible because, well, I don't really like that or I don't know about it. So one of the jobs and one of the joys for me as a pastor are to take what many people may call difficult books or difficult passages or uh, books that we don't often turn to and read those and teach from those so that we can, again, be people who know the, the will of God. Do you, listen, the word of God is the will of God. The reason why society does not follow the will of God is because they've abandoned the word of God. Let me say that again. The word of God is the will, the desire, the purpose of God. And so when people can decide to make things right themselves, they can do that justifiably when they've strayed away from the word of God. They don't even know it. So why would I adhere to it? One of the roles that we have as Christians, and I'm going to talk about this today, is that we understand the word of God because it is indeed the will of God. Revelation chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. Uh, walk with me. I'm going to go through this chapter now. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand, watch this now, filled with the abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was a mystery, 
Babylon the great, the mother of prostitutes and, the, and of the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people. Look at this now. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. The angel said to me, why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast she rides, which has the seven heads and ten horns. The beast, which you saw, once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. <laughs> the inhabitants of the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world, will be astonished when they see the beast, because it once was, now is not, and yet will come. This calls for a mind of wisdom. The seven heads are the seven hills on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. But when he does come, he must remain for only a little while. The beast who once was and now is not is an eighth king. He belongs to the seven and is going to his destruction. The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received the kingdom, but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. They will wage war against the lamb, but the lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and king of kings. And with him will be his call, chosen and faithful followers. Then the angel said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples multitudes, nations, and languages. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to hand over to the beast their royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. I want to talk from the subject today, if you don't mind me uh, saying uh, this subject. Don't forget to remember. Don't forget to remember. You all, we're now coming towards the end of the book of Revelation. We have seen so much. We've seen the Apostle John, one of the uh, followers of Jesus, one of the uh, chosen ones uh, by Christ, who because of his love for Jesus was abandoned to solitary confinement on the island of Patmos. While on this island, God allowed him to experience something that most people never experience. He was able to be taken up by the Spirit of God into the heavenly realms and got an opportunity to see things that were to come. Uh, we opened up the book of Revelation. God gave messages to the churches and talked not only to the churches of that day, but I believe to all the churches in the church age. He found things that the churches were good at and things that the churches were not so good at and admonished them as he admonishes us to make those corrections, right, so that the judgment of God would not come. But then, you all, we saw things begin to shift, and we saw John getting an opportunity to see the splendor and the glory of heaven, these amazing 
amazing scenes that nobody had ever seen before other than him. And we saw a throne in heaven. We Remember that? We saw 24 elders who surrounded the throne. We saw a sea of glass. We saw uh, four living creatures that were surrounding also the throne of God. For the first time in human history, a human being was able to pull back or the, the, the heavenlies were pulled back and a human being, an earthling, was able to see the glory and the splendor of heaven. But not only did he see the glory and the splendor of heaven, but he also began to see God's culmination now of the wrath that he promised would fall upon mankind who had turned away from him. I, I said last week that the wages of sin is death. And it does not mean physical death. It means spiritual death. It means a separation from God for eternity. But not only is the wages of sin death and being separated from God, but also, you all, there is judgment on sin itself. God is going to judge where every trace of sin has gone. The earth itself now has fallen into sin, and God will redeem the earth. That's why he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth, right? Because he must redeem the earth from its sinful condition. The earth was not intended for earthquakes. The earth was not intended for uh, all these hurricanes and natural disasters. All of these calamities, all of these maladies that are occurring in our world are directly related to sin. Prior to sin in the Garden of Eden, the earth was yielding its fruit. Man didn't, have, man didn't even have to work. The, uh, the Bible says the fruit just came to him. It just fell off and it, and it fell in his feet. But because of the curse of sin, the earth is now in sin. God's going to destroy and redeem the earth. But not only that, all of the people on the earth who have not acknowledged his son, listen to me, all of the people on the earth who have not chosen to believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, and what does he say is? He says, I am the way to God, right? I am the only way. He says, I am the door. And anyone that tries to go in any other way is like a robber and a thief. Anyone who chooses to not acknowledge Jesus will now, in the book of Revelation, face their punishment. But in this book, we see that God releases judgments, right? We see that he releases these trumpet judgments. He opens these seals. The seals are open, and these natural disasters happen. But what is the response of humanity? They curse God. But then after that, the trumpets are sounded. Remember that? And after the trumpets are sounded, there's another uh, series of judgments. But what do the people do? They become angrier and angrier at God. And now we just finished the bold judgment. It was the last outpouring of God's wrath. And this was the biggest of them all. But in the midst of darkness, in the midst of the sun scorching human beings and their skin are having boils all on them and hailstones the size of 100 pounds falling on people, they still cursed God. Why is that? Because the condition of man's heart in the book of Revelation is so wicked, it's kin to that during the days of Noah. Many people say stuff like, you know, I don't know why in the world would God destroy the whole earth. What about all these kids? What about the innocent people? People were pregnant, walking around. You mean to tell me God would allow water to destroy the whole earth? God said in the, in the days of Noah that man's heart was only to do wicked continually. And you all, in the book of Revelation, we find that the condition of man's heart has even gotten worse. And because of that, the judgment of God has come. Now, where is this going? Because the beast, the Antichrist, is now sitting on the throne. 
And the good thing about what's happening now is that not only is God going to put an end to the curse of sin in the earth, not only is he going to put an end to the curse of sin in mankind, but he's going to put an end to the originator of the sin. He is going to, for once and all, in the book of Revelation, put an end to Satan's ability to have any influence in the kingdom of man and the kingdom of God at all. As a matter of fact, he's already been put out of heaven by when we get to Revelation chapter 17. He can't even go to heaven anymore. Right now, the Bible says, guess what he's doing? He is standing in heaven now accusing you to God. He's an accuser of the brethren. That's what Satan is doing. He's able to go right now freely in and out of the... You don't believe me. The Bible says uh, uh, in the book of Job... Uh, when the sons of men were coming before God, uh, Satan came before God as well. And he says, what are you doing here? He says, I'm going to and fro looking to find who I can destroy. And I told you what God said. Have you thought about Job? Let me just say this to you all. Everybody that's going through stuff, it ain't because God is against you, but it's because maybe God is favoring you with trouble. Let me just say that again. Some of you all think that the devil is after you because God has abandoned you. But the book of Job tells us that God allowed Satan to do all that he did for Job and to Job because God knew that Job would trust him. And here's my question. Can God trust you with trouble? Can God allow all hell to break loose in your life and know that in the midst of it all, no matter what's happening, no matter how dark the day is, no matter how evil the, 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 the temptations are and the difficulties are, you still have chosen to give God the glory and to worship him? That is a real Christian. And so you are in this book. We now are coming to the end. And so now... John is uh, being called or summoned by one of the seven angels who has one of the seven bowls of judgment. Look at verse one. And he says, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters with her, the prostitute, the kings of the earth committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth. Watch this now were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. You all, this is a symbolism. As a matter of fact, everything that you'll see in this chapter are symbolisms. These are not actual characters or figures, but these are symbols. These are uh, kind of uh, ideas about what spirits are in operation in the earth. And in this chapter, we see that God says that he's going to show finally the punishment that will come to the spirit that is, uh, that is likened to that of a prostitute. Why? Because this will, watch this now, this will be a false church that will arise in the last days. Remember what um, happened when, 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 when Satan spewed out and created the beast and the false prophet? The beast is the Antichrist. He was the political leader. He's the one who sat on the throne and executed judgment as far as the, 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 you know, the kingdom. But also there was a demon that was manifested in a false prophet because for the first, one of the first times in human history, the greatest nation which the Antichrist will lead will not just be a government, but it will be a false theocracy. They will be worshiping 
the people that are on the throne. We don't know about that. Well, we may have some people that worship their political figures. I'm not going to get into any deep waters with that, but we do have some people that have been in office and people pretty much worship them. But, but I'm talking about worship for real. And so you are, it says that this great prostitute is going to be sitting by many waters. We find in verse 15 that the many waters represents multitudes of people, all right? So her influence or the influence of this religion that has fallen away from the scriptures and away from God, it has intoxicated the world and intoxicated the earth with the wine of her adulteries. What is adulteries? The church is supposed to be married to Christ. The church is supposed to be married and in union with Christ, but instead, They've gone out and they've connected and become in union with other things. Hear me very well, church. And I don't know if I'm preaching to Citadel or I'm preaching to the whole world right now, but hear me well. When the church abandons the Bible, when the church decides that the modern day thoughts or the modern day ideologies or the modern day uh, social constructs are more legitimate than what God's word says, we have committed spiritual adultery. Okay, let me say it again. Anybody who decides to look at the Bible and say, I don't believe that because I believe this. Once you say, I don't believe the Bible, or I don't believe, listen, Jesus says, I am the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Jesus and the word are one. So when you abandon the word, you've abandoned Jesus. And if you've abandoned Jesus, you have committed spiritual adultery and you have you have, you've become intoxicated with the wine of the world. I, I want to read to you all one of my favorite verses uh, from Lift Every Voice and Sing. Uh, at the end of it, it says, uh, thou who has brought us, God of, God of our weary years. God of our side. By the way, black folk back then talked to God. Uh, black, they, they wrote songs about God. Now it ain't nothing about God. It's all about it. But God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who has brought us thus far on the way, thou who has by thy might led us into the light. Watch this now. Keep us forever in the path we pray. Watch this now. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee. And lest our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. You all, we have been intoxicated by sin. And we've been intoxicated by the world. How do I know it? Because you don't even want to watch church on your TV at home. You would rather go to the mall, go outside, barbecue. I don't want to hear the Bible. I don't want to hear nothing about God. Why? Because we'd rather be drunk with the wine of the world. And once we are drunk with the wine of the world, it sets us up for the worship of the one who is the Antichrist. You all, there was a time, and I know y'all don't know nothing about this. There was a time that folks stayed in church all day. All day. Sunday school, 
Baptist training union, afternoon service, evening service. Then you go visit another church. But not in 2021. No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, Pastor, I hope you're getting ready to wrap this up because I got brunch. <laughs> you all, um, the Antichrist will be able to do what he does. Watch this now. Because this false church will be intoxicated by the wine of pleasure and the wine of self-gratification and the wine of what's right in their own eyes that is opposite of the word of God. I, I, can't, I can't go into it into detail now, but over the past several months, I've been doing some serious, serious, serious study because two things are happening right now in our country, in America in particular. One is that the Church of Jesus Christ in America for the first time, uh, this is the first time America is no longer a Christian nation. Did you hear what I just said? The first time since America has been a nation, America is no longer, the people in our country no longer identify themselves when asked as Christian. More people are non-Christian than Christian. And here's the question. When, when the world sees things around it and ascribes that as right, and the Bible says it's wrong, they've got to choose between relationships and God. They've got to choose between what's right in their heart and what God's word says. And most times people will choose the relationship because they can choose the seen over the unseen. And because of that, you all, there's a great falling away. I'm really concerned about our millennials and our young people because the church is completely irrelevant to them in many ways. Not only um, are more social services uh, agencies doing more work of the church, the church is supposed to be, <laughs> the church is supposed to be with hospitals. When I was in prison, you visited me. Uh, church folk don't go to jail at all. Only Muslims do that. We, we, we are not going to go to minister anybody in jail. Uh, when I was in hospital, you came to visit me. We're not going to go to the hospital to visit anybody. Uh, you know, all the things that Jesus said, Social groups are doing that, and most social groups, many of them, that are not Christian-based. And not only that, but many of the issues of the day, listen now, many of the issues of the day that confront our world the most, it seems as though the Bible is old school and archaic and therefore no longer relevant to the current issues of the day. And because of that, you all, it's becoming easier and easier for those who are involved in the world to become intoxicated with the wine of anything that will take us away from a union with Christ. Verse 3, then the angel carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And let me just say this about it. This is, this is, this is a T.D. Jakes move right here. Uh, sometimes when you call yourself, want to be caught up in the spirit, God will take you to the spirit in the wilderness. <laughs> sometimes when you want to be in the spirit, God will take you in the spirit, and it won't be to the mountain. Oh, no, 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 no. It will not be to the throne room. It will be to the wilderness. The angel carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And there in the wilderness now he sees a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, that was covered with blasphemous names. We know that whenever we see the beast, that is always a reference to the Antichrist. The Antichrist, the imagery that is giving here again is this. He's in scarlet. Back in those days, God, you all, scarlet was uh, 
uh, the sign of wealth and prosperity. It's what the, the wealthy people would wear. And it was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. And of course, uh, as a matter of fact, this, this Antichrist, what he does, he goes into the holy temple in Jerusalem and he desecrates it. He starts out by saying, I'm a person of peace and I'm a person of love and I'm a person of concern. But then he goes in and blasphemes the holy place. His whole desire is to take everything that is holy and blaspheme it against God. It says in verse 4, the woman was dressed in purple herself and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. And so you all, not only was the beast covered in scarlet, not only was the beast's names of blasphemous things written on him, but the spirit of the apostate church, watch this now, was the one fueling his power. (laughs) You all, we need to know that the way that this world is headed, it will be the the false church that will fuel the ammunition and power of the Antichrist. And the Bible tells us that the name written on her forehead was Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people. The blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. But in those days, you all, many people will be killed and murdered who do not take the mark of the beast. But not not only then, those who are martyrs for Christ, they will end up literally being killed and left for dead in the streets. But this spiritual abomination, this prostitute, this whore, the Bible says that she actually became drunk with the wine of the blood of God's people. The more devoted God's people were to him and the more they were slaughtered, the drunker she got. And you all, I believe that there is a spirit of the Antichrist, the Bible says, that is in work in the world today. And every time another church decides to leave the body over issues that the Bible says are right, Their spirit is getting drunker and drunker with the blood of the churches and the believers who are pulling away. Do you all, listen, do you all realize that denominations are splitting and people are leaving churches over issues that are answered in in the Bible? I'll just say it like this. And please don't, and please don't write me If anybody knows me, you know I love people, so don't. I'm not highlighting anything against anybody, all right? But I'm saying this: two issues right now are prominent in the Christian community. One is that of racism, and I'm going to go on record right now and say this, and I and I I got to be careful because I I, there's some. But during slavery and during Jim Crow, it was the Church of Jesus Christ in America that said nothing. Know that. Know that during the height of the most racially tense time in our country, it was the church, it was the church that propagated it. And now in 2021, the largest denominations in our country during the height of the greatest racial tension in our nation are once again extremely silent. What does that say to the young person trying to find the relevance of the church? When the church of Jesus Christ is silent about racism. But not only that, you all, as it relates to 
uh, gender identity. And please understand, I, I love everybody. I really do. And anybody that knows me knows that. I'm just talking about the Bible. When it comes to the scripture, the Bible tells us that the Bible is the rule of life. The scriptures are the, well, you know what, pastor? That's where we draw the line because I don't believe the Bible. There we go. That's fine. And you know what? You have the right to not believe the Bible. But the moment you do not believe the Bible, you also do not believe Jesus because Jesus says, I and the word are one. And so if you don't believe the word, you don't believe him. And if you don't believe him, then that means you are one of those that the scriptures mention who do not have your name written in his book. Why would he write your name in his book when you don't believe in him? You, we cannot cherry pick the things of the Bible that we like and the things that we don't like, we choose to not, to not adhere to. You all, let me just say this, you all, it is hard for me as a pastor. Listen, I, I kid you not, man, I love everybody. As a matter of fact, I'm just, I'm, I like sinners more than I do Christians. They're some of the nicest people in the world. You want to meet some nice people? Meet some sinners. They'll invite you to lunch. They'll, they'll, they'll do stuff. It's, it's the Christians that got attitude problems. But I cannot ignore the Bible. I cannot ignore the scriptures. And when the Bible tells us that the day will come that a prostitute, one that's supposed to be married to Christ, has chosen to commit adultery and to not only do that, but lead the world into committing spiritual adultery. I have to ask myself the question, is that spirit, is that great whore of Babylon, is that spirit in operation in your life and in our nation and in our world now? Is the enemy slowly drawing us away from the truth of God's word so that we can become intoxicated by the world. What can I buy? What can I see? Who can I have? What can I do? What can I accomplish? What, what new title can I have? What new prominence can I have? And listen, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? My job as a pastor is never to make you feel good. And I sometimes feel bad because I got pastors who are great feel-good pastors. Every Sunday you're going to feel good. But you know what? I don't want you to feel good and go to hell. I don't want you to feel good and be cut off from God. I'd rather go to a doctor that's going to make me hurt a little bit and then I get better than to go somewhere and somebody know I'm hurting and they let me get worse. So you are, I'm preaching what, as the old folks say, thus saith the Lord. And so the Bible says that, verse 8, the beast which you saw once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destructions. Well, it's very evident. Don't, don't be confused by this language. The beast is the Antichrist. And even though it's not yet, it will be. Why? Because at the appropriate time, we've already talked about this, the Antichrist will come up out of the abyss, right? He will come up out of the bottomless pit. But when he comes up out of the bottomless pit to take his throne, he will go to destruction. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful that I know the end of the story. And I'm so grateful that I know that the beast will go to his destruction. Yes, he will come up out of the abyss. Yes, he will become in prominence. But I know also he will be destroyed. The inhabitants of the earth whose names 
have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast. Because it once was, now is not, and yet will come. As a matter of fact, we read in the scriptures that he will actually have a wound that was fatal that will be healed. And after three days, he will get back up and the world will worship him as a God who's able to be resurrected when they will not worship Jesus who is resurrected and is still on the throne. How will he get to power? Why? Because those whose names have not been written in the book of life, it says they will be in awe of him. Listen, here it is. <laughs> those of you, listen, listen, listen. Those of you, the Bible says you didn't choose God. God chose you. You better hear what I'm saying. Some of y'all have tried to run from God, but you couldn't get away from him. You know why? Because before the foundation of the world, God had already put his hand on you and chosen you. And the Bible says that those whom God has chosen since the creation of the world, listen, those whose names have not been written in the book of life, those are the ones who will be gullible with the Antichrist. <laughs> those of us whose names are written, we're not duped. We're not tricked by the things that are happening in the world. Those of us who are not born of the Spirit, we're easily led astray. And my question to you, my brother and sister, is this. Could it be that you're tuning into this because God has actually called you and God has chosen you to be one of his? And the things that have made you stand in awe and astonished at these demonic things. Oh, there's something far greater than that. And maybe God is calling you to repentance today. The Bible says in verse 9, this calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads of the seven hills on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five that fallen, one is, and the other one's yet to come. But when he does, he must remain for only a little while. All they're talking about is this. Don't be confused by this. Is that... The rule of the Antichrist will embody all the different levels of government that has ever existed on the planet. There have been Caesars that were God, right? There have been governments that were monarchies where there were kings. That means that it didn't matter if you liked them or not, whoever their kids were. Listen, if England did not decide to go to their form of government, they still had that woman in the palace and all her family folk would be running stuff because they're just the monarchy. All right. So there's monarchies, there's democracies. America's a democracy. But then there are other places that are communists and socialists. But bottom line, the greatest kingdoms of the world are represented when it talks about these seven hills or these seven kings. But you all, it says there's another king that's going to arise. Right. But when he arises, it's only going to be for a little while, but it's going to be to accomplish the purpose of God. In other words, God is going to allow there to be a new government that will arise during the reign of the Antichrist. But that new government that will arise will actually be working for God in the plan of God in the final battle with God's people and the Antichrist. In other words, even when people think that they're in power, God says, you're working for me. You all, there will be a king and a kingdom that will rise suddenly to prominence. We don't know. It could be because of the global catastrophes. Listen, if all of the fresh water in the world is gone, think about it. We talked about that last week, remember? All the oceans are blood. Let me just say this. I don't believe y'all even believe that. Y'all ain't no oceans going to be no blood. Uh, how about this? Ain't, ain't, no, ain't going to be no pandemic. 
Ain't no way in the world the whole world going to be standing at home. You were. Do you, do you know if somebody would have told you five years ago that everybody in the world would be at home? You'd be like, stop lying. Ain't nobody, gonna act. Ain't nobody in the whole world going to be at home. Everybody was at home. Everybody, everybody. Do you remember the days when the streets were empty? If, if, if God can allow a pandemic to happen in 2021, then what makes you think he cannot allow every sea and every fresh water to be turned to coagulated blood? So in that season, you all of human history, there will be nations that may arise because of their location, their geography, right? And they're good. So one of those kingdoms will arise for a little while. Verse 11, the beast who once was and now is not is an eighth king. He belongs to the seven and is going to his destruction. So now the Antichrist is being numbered with those various civilizations that have ruled. And the reason that his is so different is because for the first time, the entire world will be in his kingdom. And the entire world will worship him, not as king, but as God. But the end is he's going to his destruction. Verse 12, the ten horns you saw are the ten kings who have not yet received the kingdom, but who for one hour will receive authority as a king along with the beast. And so he says the ten horns that you see represent ten kingdoms that have not yet come into fruition. But when they do, they will for an hour receive authority along with the beast from God. For what purpose? Verse 13, I'm glad you asked. They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. So kingdoms will arise, be given power to arise from God, then will transfer that power to the beast. All right. So God is going to allow people to rise up to prominence, these kingdoms to arise to prominence, and then they will give that authority to the beast. Verse 14, they will wage war against the lamb. What is the purpose of all of these nations arising? What is the purpose of the beast gaining global power? What is the purpose of all of these things happening in the earth so that man's heart becomes wicked and wicked and further and farther from God? It's so that there can be a holy war against the Antichrist and his followers and the lamb and his followers. And the Bible says this, they will wage war against the Lamb. You better know that the war is coming. The Battle of Armageddon is what it's called. And there will be the greatest war that humanity's ever seen. And as a matter of fact, you all, I know that we're going to be talking about that war, but I believe that we're in the middle of a war right now. I believe the world is at war with the Lamb now. When you're at war with the Word, when you're at war with the Word, you're at war with the Lamb. When you're at war with the word of God, which is the will of God, you're at war with the lamb. And I believe that there are many of us, you all, who look at the word and say, you know what? I don't want to believe that and not knowing that that stance and that decision is coming at war with God. The Bible says that they will wage war against the lamb, but the lamb will triumph over them. Because he is Lord of lords and king of kings. I love it. Yes, they will try to wage war with God. They will try to wage war with the lamb. But the Bible said, but the lamb will triumph over them. Let me just say this to you all. What brings me encouragement? What brings me hope? What brings me a bit of, of hope in this fallen world? Is that even though I see things happening, even though it looks dark, even though the adulteries and the whoremongering of these demonic spirits are pulling people and intoxicating them away from God, I still 
still have hope. You know why? Because I know that in the end, the Lamb of God wins. Hallelujah. I thank God that, that Jesus will be king over every king and Lord over every Lord. And listen, you all, because I'm in his camp, that means I win. Because you're in his camp, that means you win. Child of God, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're suffering through. I don't know what you're up against. But I know one thing. If God be for you, who can be against you? I know one thing. If God got Jesus up from the grave, he'll get you up out of your situation. And the Lamb of God will win over this beast and this Antichrist. It ain't no even fight. It's not an even fight. The devil's in one corner and God's in the other. Are you serious? The devil's a fallen angel. You cannot dare put a fallen angel on par with the God who created him. You think a fallen demon is going to be at odds with God? <laughs> he does. I said once, I believe he has brain damage because he fell so far. Uh, you know, the Bible says he got kicked out. He just got down there. He's just a little off. They will wage war against the lamb, but the lamb will triumph over them because he has, he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. Hallelujah. It says that the lamb will triumph, but not only the lamb, but those who are his called and those who are his chosen and those who are his faithful, they will also triumph with him. Oh, God, I thank God for every one of you that are listening that are chosen by God. It means that you're, tri you're going to be triumphant. For every one of you all that are followers of Christ in a world that's moving further and farther away from Christ, to God be the glory that you will triumph. For every faithful follower who chooses to follow, and I'm so grateful for what Mike said, who chooses to follow when it doesn't feel good. I wonder how many of us worship when it doesn't feel good. I wonder how many of us press through when it doesn't feel good, but we're faithful followers regardless of what the circumstances and the situations are. We remain faithful. The Bible says that we will triumph with him. Just as he triumphed, it says, and with him will be his call, chosen and faithful followers. Almost done. Then the angel said to me, the waters you saw, those where the prostitute sits, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. Isn't that interesting that the very church, apostate church, watch this now, listen, the apostate church that fuels his power, he hates. You know why? Listen, Satan hates you, but he'll make it seem like he likes you. Have you ever been, have you ever been in, in, a, in, a, in a toxic relationship with somebody who acted like they liked you? but you knew didn't like you? Satan will pretend as though he's a part of this global community, but his whole end is to destroy humanity. Why would he want to be king of people he wants to kill? Why would he want to set a throne up on a, on a planet that he can't stand full of people that remind him, listen, who are in the image of the one he hates? His whole desire is to wipe us out. He doesn't, listen, <laughs> uh, when I talked to my friend, he said, look, man, that man tried to kill me and my wife. He said, when he took the shovel out of our hand, he tried to kill us. The devil, listen, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't come to hurt you. He comes to destroy you. And the beast, he hates the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin, leave her naked. 
They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. The very people who serve him will become the very ones that he destroys. For God has put into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to hand over to the beast their royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. Watch this now. (laughs) I said this before. Satan works for God. And in this instance, this whore of Babylon, this prostitute, this apostate, this blasphemous creature, she actually works with God's purpose to fuel the ascent of the Antichrist so that the battle can finally happen and God can wipe him out. Which means that there are things that may be happening in your life that look Satan-influenced but are allowed by God to fulfill his purpose in the end. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, my favorite scripture, Joseph is now in Egypt. You've heard this before. His brothers tried to kill him, and now they've come and found out who he is. And he says, no, 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 brothers, I'm not going to hurt you, because what you meant for evil against me, God meant for good. What you intended to hurt me, God had another purpose. And even though it looked like the Antichrist and the, and, the, and the church, this apostate church, were all working with the devil's power, God says, no, look what it says here. God put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to hand over to the beast their royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. They gave him the authority so that he could now wield the control of all the kings of the world so that they could gather against the lamb. The whole world could not gather against the lamb had God not given power to all of those nations to then give power to the Antichrist. Does it make sense? All right, last verse. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. You all... um, I open up with the subject. Don't forget to remember. What, what, what does that mean? Don't forget to remember the word of God. Don't forget to remember your salvation. Don't forget to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Once the church forgets God, forgets the Bible, forgets the scriptures, forgets what are the mainstays of our relationship with God, we become this this prostitute. We become a church. Listen, we become a church that's no longer a church. We become a church that doesn't believe what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, we just push the Bible aside and start talking about other stuff. When the church loses its purpose, the church becomes a part of this apostate that draws people away from the true God and unwittingly or maybe wittingly leads them into allegiance to the Antichrist. Well, I know it's 2021 and you're like, I ain't no Antichrist. So what does this all this mean? On this communion Sunday, I'm wondering how many of you all are able to really reflect and remember who Jesus is what he's done, and who he is to you. And I wonder how many of you would reflect, and I opened up by saying the things that God has done in your life. 
I'm talking about things that only Jesus could have done. I wonder how many of you all are willing to remember that there's no other name under heaven where you can call and be in relationship with God other than the name of Jesus. And I wonder how many of you all remembered when you did that. I remember that day. Do you remember the day that you gave your life to Jesus? For people who may not have a day, it may not be a particular point in time. You may have been a child that grew up in the church. But do you remember the moment that you really fully committed to him? There have been some rough days. There's been some moments of uncertainty, I know. But there's no greater day in my life than the day I came to know Jesus. And knowing Jesus means I have to follow him even when following him is difficult. Even when following Jesus is no longer popular. I'm kind of glad that America's becoming post-Christian, not because I'm, 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 I'm happy that people are not identifying as Christ followers, but maybe for the first time in America we'll have an urgency about evangelism. Maybe for the first time we'll have a burden for people who just don't know God and, and it doesn't make sense to them. I remember asking a few weeks ago, Citadel, about you praying about where we'll go and talk to people about Jesus this summer. And I know for some of y'all, you're like, there he goes again, talking about talking to people about Jesus. Well, what are we supposed to do? When people don't know God, when people are in their sin, when people are lost, and we know the way, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to help them find it. Don't forget to remember the Jesus that saved you, that changed you, that gave you hope again. And I pray in this hour and in this moment, we would just take a moment to remember what Jesus did. The sacrifice that he made, he who knew no sin, became it for us, for you. Somebody said, if there's nobody in the world that was here but just you and him, he would have done it all just for you. Remember where you were when he found you. Do you remember where you were when he found you? Do you remember how hopeless you were? Do you remember how empty life was when he found you? And what's so awesome about Jesus is that when he found you, he didn't say, get yourself together, then come back. <laughs> While we were yet sinners, right? He commended his love towards us by dying for us and loving us just as we are. And I pray in the name of Jesus that nobody that heard this sermon today would hear bashing or hear judgment or like somebody's not worth being included in the family I hope that's not what you heard because that's not my heart what I do know is that this Bible that I read it asks me to do tough things it demands of me things that sometimes I don't want to do but I didn't write it God gave it to us, and I believe it's his word.
I believe that personally. I've seen it work. I've seen him move by his word. I believe his word to be true. So don't forget to remember. Heads about, eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, I, I pray that you would take the words of your servant today and that you would make them clear to your people that most importantly they'll realize that the day will come that a spirit that is already at work in the world making us drunk with the wine of the world we forget thee let us not be that people let us not be intoxicated by the world and all of its trappings that we forget you let's choose to remember to not forget you and now for those who are listening, God, who may not have a relationship with you, my brother, my sister, heads about, eyes are closed, if you're listening, and you would say, Pastor, you know, I don't know if I've ever submitted my life to God, and I don't, do, I don't even know what that means. It simply means that you realize that you cannot run your own life. You're not in charge of you, but there's someone greater that is. And if you would just simply say, you know what, I surrender, I surrender, I surrender my will, my way to him don't know what that's gonna all look like but I know that my way is not working I know that my will is not always right but I want his will and I want his way one of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger there's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased but where do we go how do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer. And let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT or please visit us on our website, citadeloffaith.org. That's simply spelled C-I-T-A-D-E-L of faith.org, all one word. We would love to hear your testimonies. We would love to hear your prayer requests. Know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone. Let's change the world together, one person at a time.